In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today, um, the homily is we are blessed by the light of the transfiguration, that is the light of Christ. I first want to uh, mention and offer our condolences to the Easby family in the passing of the good Deacon Richard. Um, he's a really good deacon, really good father, and a really good friend. Um, may his memory be eternal. Today we um, look at the feeding of the 5,000. Um, I want to take a look at a couple of passages here that maybe we can uh, see and illumine us a little bit in regard to uh, how we can better ourselves as Christian people. So the beginning of the passage, it says, the Lord was moved with compassion. So who is this? Lord. St. Gregory uh, Nazianzus says, he, he describes Christ this way. He became poor so through his poverty we might become rich. He took upon himself a low degree that we might be give in a higher one. He took upon himself the form of a servant that he might free us from slavery came down so we might be rise, we might rise up. He was tempted that we might learn to overcome. He was despised so that we would be given honor. He died so we might be saved from death. He ascended to heaven so we who lie prone in sin may be lifted up to him. He became man so that we might become gods. So this is our God. This is who is come to us. Come to us, not just to come to us. And I want to make this very clear because this is such an important piece of our faith. God didn't come just to dwell with us. He came to dwell in us. In us. That light, that transfigured light now belongs to you. At baptism, you were united to the glorified humanity of Jesus Christ, which shines with that divine light. That light is in you. That light belongs to you. Christ dwells in you. The question today is, do you dwell with him? Because sometimes we get distracted from this. Our life moves us, our thoughts move us, our circumstances move us away from dwelling with God, with God himself. And it tends to be a bit, you know, like the beautiful uh, passage in the Gospels when Peter sees Christ walking on the water and he gets out of the boat and he walks on the water uh, to him because his eyes were on Christ. What happened to Peter when he took his eyes off of Christ? He sunk. When our eyes go off of Christ, when we don't dwell with God in us, that's our, that becomes an issue to us. We tend to crumble a bit, fall away with these distractions. So we are called to dwell with God, dwell, to dwell with God who is in us. So we turn in. That's our prayer. That's our life. That's where we say, Lord, have mercy. We just turn in. We try to live there. Live in to out. Live in to out. Not out 
not out to figure it out out here. No, we live in to out. Live in with God, out to our circumstances. This becomes very, very critical to us. The Lord teaches us that the kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. When you live with God, you live in that righteousness. That righteous spirit is so clear to you. It's clear then. It's, and, and, and you walk that. It's a narrow path, but it's a clear path. When you're with Christ, and when you are with him, you begin to sense that you're stepping a bit aside. You feel the sense. You feel your soul moving away. So we bring it back, that sense of the righteous way that God gives to us. He says he fills us with joy when we live, in this, live with Christ. Joy. You know, we pray before the icon of Christ that he fills all things with joy. How many things? Everything is filled with joy. It's not joy like happiness. It's joy because of his presence. Joy is the presence of God in you. And it allows you to be joyful in all circumstances. If our circumstances are what bring us joy, we're going to be in trouble. If Christ brings us joy and we dwell in Christ, that's a very consistent place to be. So dwell in Christ. Be with him. Righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. Peace a peace that passes understanding, a peace that, that surpasses your circumstance. You look at people, these holy people, you would imagine their circumstances would bring them uh, trouble. They'd be troubled. No, they were filled with peace. They had a peaceful heart. Why? Because they were with Christ that dwelt in them. So my encouragement to you and to myself is that let us... Let us be grateful that Christ dwells in us, but let us make every effort to dwell with him. And then he says, uh, he moves on to this very quickly, and this is always an interesting passage. He says, and then he healed their sick. St. John Chrysostom makes a comment on this. He says, how great a multitude of healed persons to the evangelist passes over quickly, not mentioning them one by one or giving us an account of them, but on one word, traversing an unspeakable multitude of miracles. He healed their sick. How many people were there? 5,000, not including men and women and children. Uh, 10,000 people. And what did he do? Healed their sick. God's a healer, beloved. He loves us that much. So for us today, what, you know, mostly the saints make this uh, reference that most of our sickness comes from sinful passions or sinful patterns in life. So to, to, for us to be healed, let's first be healed from our sinfulness. Let's get healed from that. So how do we do that? One thing that's very important to understand is that, that all the virtues you received at baptism. You have all the virtues in you. They belong to you. Christ is in you. Those virtues are in you. The problem is that we, we, when we sin, we inhibit those virtues. So that virtue, say, of, of kindness and gentleness is inhibited by anger. Our anger covers that up. And so when we try to be gentle and kind, that anger inhibits us. 
we can't move that kindness, kind spirit forward. So, uh, so we, we need to understand that when we see a sin, it's inhibiting a virtue. And so the importance here is two things. One, that we see that sin and that we know the corresponding virtue. So for instance, if you are repenting of anger and you struggle with that appetite, then the effort you make in after confession is you begin to practice kindness and love and, and that, that uh, gentleness. You have to practice it. It's not enough just to say, God, forgive me for the anger. Because guess what will happen? It will come back. You have to practice the opposite. So when you see a sin that you're struggling with, find the virtue that corresponds to it and begin to practice it vigorously. Vigorously. If you suffer from resentment, you hold on to resentments, you need to practice forgiveness. You need to be a forgiving person. So when we are resenting, we need to be make a, an extreme effort to be forgiving. Forgive all the, anything that's offended me, anything uh, that has been a disturbance to me, I need to work to be forgiving. If we fall to lustful appetites, then we need to practice chastity. We need to look at holy images. We need to look at and think about holy things. Christ on the cross, the beauties of heaven. That's where we need to focus our, 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 our vision. Not just, I don't want to lust anymore. Okay? You have to practice the opposite virtue. So when God heals us from an appetite, let us practice the, those corresponding virtues. And then he says, he feeds the 5,000. He feeds and they ate and were filled and 12 baskets were left over. So this is a beautiful picture of Holy Communion to us. St. John says, what do we get when we take Holy Communion? The Immaculate Immortal Life-Giving Mysteries. Sanctification, enlightenment, strength, healing and health of soul and body, the blotting out and obliteration my evil thoughts, imaginings, intents of night fantasies, evil spirits of darkness, and I receive a pledge of the kingdom to come. That's a pretty good deal. That's a pretty good deal. And you get that free. But we come prepared first, we come prepared for this, but I would encourage us all to see this as an essential piece of life, not an optional piece of life. It's an essential piece of life. St. John Chrysostom says that if you refrain from communion too long, you become the prey of the invisible wolf. You become prey. So we need to get ourselves to the chalice regularly, well prepared to the chalice. So I was thinking about this more in regard to uh, just, you know, we need to Kind of stop the noise. Stop it. We come before God and take his body and blood. And we stop the noise. 
the noise of our appetites, the noise of the world, the confusion, the differences. As St. Paul says, I hear there's contentions among you. Get rid of those things. When we come to Holy Communion, we're coming before the Lord God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And so we come to him, and he gives us his body and blood, this beautiful, mysterious, immortal food. And it stops the noise. Let the noise stop. Let the confusion stop. Take that moment and be with him as he gives himself to you. And finally, we hear the Lord say these words in blessing the loaves. He, took, he looks up to heaven. To the Trinity, he holds the loaves. He asks, and he asks, he, he blesses the loaves high, not just be with himself, showing that there's unity in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we have our foundation, beloved, not just in Christ, but in the Father and the Holy Spirit. He is the sustainer and creator of the universe, leads us all to his eternal kingdom, and for all these things that God does to us from the Father, through the Son, and the Spirit, we need to be grateful and encouraged always. So, we are blessed, beloved, by the light of the transfiguration of Christ. Shared, this light is shared by the Father and the Spirit. That light is in us, so we become sons and daughters of God. So we can be healed of our infirmities, so we can partake of the heavenly mysteries for health of soul and body, inheritance of your kingdom, and so we can then be soldiers of Christ and be a glory to him and a, 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 a blessing to each other. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.